Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at ClearMe.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi there, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, we're talking the real economic power of leisure travel, as well as the power of travel and leisure, and the hot tickets to luxury travel for 2021. First, we'll discuss in real dollars and cents terms what's really going on in air travel with aviation business expert Michael Boyd. As travel comes roaring back, with leisure travel leading the way, what are the indicators that suggest confidence is returned? and actually what worries him as well. Then we'll celebrate the 50th anniversary of the magazine that chronicled it all for the last half century, Travel and Leisure, with its editor, Jackie Gifford. And finally, a report from the luxury travel front with legendary adventurer Jeffrey Kent, the founder of Abercrombie & Kent. First up, Airline Battlefield Economics with Michael Boyd. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Frontier Airlines last week announced 21 new routes from Atlanta, Las Vegas, and DFW alone. They've also announced a huge number of international routes. Uh, Spirit's doing it. 
uh, Allegiance doing it, Southwest, which you and I both know in a given year prior to the pandemic might have added one new route a year, has added, you know, a, a couple of dozen. Um, and, and, and they are on the verge of becoming the predominant carrier in, uh, in Hawaii. So run through this for me, Mike. What does this mean? Well, let's put it this way. This is all driven by leisure dollars in the economy. And it's not just them. We saw carriers like American Airlines open up Dayton to Orlando. They don't have a hub at either end. They're going after leisure traffic, too. United Airlines, which has been very aggressive of going into a lot of leisure markets into and out of Orlando that have no hub connections at all. They're after leisure traffic. Now, keep in mind, this is you know these are airlines that are looking to plumb new revenue. And keep in mind, too, that they will, as fast as they go in, they can pull out of these things. We hear a lot of press when Frontier Airlines add, add service out of Miami. We don't hear a lot of press when they drop those routes. So it goes up and down, and these airlines have stayed alive because they're flexible. If it doesn't work, they'll leave. And that's my concern right now is the amount of leisure dollars in the economy and what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. Tell me more. Well, one of the things we see uh, this last week, uh, Spirit Airlines, uh, they cut about 15% of what they had scheduled for September and in October uh, in terms of the capacity. So they're very, very careful. They're not cutting flights, but they're cutting what growth was going to be there. So we think right now all these carriers are going to be looking at what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. And a lot of that leisure traffic, and again, airlines are chasing leisure traffic because there's leisure dollars in the economy. What happens when inflation takes those leisure dollars out? And that's already starting. And the, the example I've used now for the last two months, so forgive me to my audience if I bring it up again, because I find it quite hilarious, is Bozeman, Montana. Uh, because every airline that I know of, other than Boyd Airlines and Greenberg Airlines, has announced service to Bozeman. So you're talking about 200,000 seats a month into a market that might not even have 200 hotel rooms. Uh, how do you see that you know, leveling out? Well, they, they have Big Sky there, and they have a road system that goes through there. And in interest of full disclosure, Bozeman's been one of our air service development clients. And in the interest of full disclosure, it's happening all around the country. A lot of these expansion markets, you know, aren't due to somebody locally chasing after it. I mean, it's a phone, phone rings, and suddenly Colorado Springs is a big market of ours. And a year ago, Southwest said, we're not coming. And now they have 13 flights a day, and they're like an 80% load factor. Bozeman's been the same thing. We're just you know, the phone rings and an airline's coming in. Airlines are making these decisions based upon what they see right now in regard to discretionary dollars. When that changes, that could go down a little bit. We're excited about Bozeman and all of Montana. But the question is, will that maintain as more inflation comes into the economy? And again, people go back to school in the fall. We'll watch that. But it's a very interesting thing. And of course, the elephant in the room, business travel. Um, you know, I keep thinking, and I know you're going to laugh at this, Mike, but I got to say it. I keep thinking that all you need is one Fortune 500 corporation sales team saying, all right, enough is enough. We're going to get back out on the road and physically in person meet our clients. And their competitors do not want to be at a disadvantage. And they're going to do the same thing. I think there's a lot to that. There's no question. It's like that old United Airlines ad about 20 years ago where a guy gets up and gets his team together and gives them all tickets to go visit their people. Oh, that's fine and dandy. I maintain the majority, probably over 50% of what we're expecting to come back is already back. Because, yeah, it's great to go visit someone, but keep in mind, a lot of these meetings, and you've been through it and I've been through it, 
we can accomplish by by virtual meetings and that's very effective and i think a lot of that is gone forever i've said this before a lot of short haul business traffic is dead because air transportation for short haul business traffic is massively inefficient i've said it before you get to be 40,000 people in hartford new york so there's nobody because it's inefficient to wait for an airplane for a two-hour meeting in Manhattan when we can do it this way. But yeah, I, I agree. Some of it's going to come back, but it's not going to come back simply because we want to you know, belly up to people. It's going to come back because we have to be in physical proximity with someone. And there's a, less, a lot less of that than we used to have 20 years ago. Well, you know, I, I grew up at a time when when uh, you know, everything was, de- was basically decided by who filled up the front of the cabin business travelers, and that dictated where airlines went in many cases. There were some exceptions. And, you know, everything in the back of the plane was incremental revenue. That business model has been thrown out on its, on its head. And now they're filling up coach and, and, and first and business class, assuming there even is first class anymore, um, is relatively empty in terms of revenue. So does that mean the business model has changed forever? No, I think, well, number one, you know, this bit about, well, Airlines don't have first class, they have business, business class. It's the same thing. They just, it's the name game. What you have is business class today was what first class was five years ago. What you have now is premium economy was what business class was in the 1980s. So it's really a name game, what they're calling the cabin. So, and that's another item here that prior to the COVID situation, uh, I was told by a number of carriers that this premium economy product, which is really business class 1985, wildly profitable. So I think both domestically and internationally, it hasn't changed that much. But what's happened, as I just said, in many applications, the need to physically go to talk to somebody has been eliminated by virtual meetings and also eliminated by the fact we have a lot more information uh, exchanged via the internet. So I, I, I understand what a lot of airlines are saying that we're looking forward to getting that business travel back. Um, this process started long before the the COVID situation where other modes of other modes of communication were taking away some of the business travel. Well, let me ask the big bad question then. And that is when it doesn't come back, what happens to the airlines? Can they pivot quickly enough to change their business model? Well, I, I think right now the business model right now, airplanes are full. And I think the business model right now is frankly, they're going to have to adjust it as the economy adjusts. And let's face it, I, I'm amazed by the airline industry over the last year. Where have you ever seen in any industry where in one month their, their, their sales went from gangbusters to almost nothing? That happened a year ago, March, and they survived. So I think they can get through this. But this argument that we have to have a lot more business travel is there. But I, I maintain a lot of it isn't going to come back. And they're just going to have to adjust their, their revenue streams accordingly. And how are they going to do that? Well, number one, you, you, they're, they're adjusting their capacity very aggressively as we look forward. About oh, 10 weeks out, you see what they filed will be adjusted one way or the other. But I think the, the real unknown is what's going to happen with leisure traffic, which today is gangbusters. Um, and again, this reduction in business travel is not like it's all going away, but probably about 20% of what was there prior to COVID isn't coming back, but they were going to lose that anyway. They just lost it a lot quicker. Oh, boy. Well, then, what happens to airfares? That's the big bad question. Oh, stand by for news. Uh, the, the USS 
uh, the, frankly, it's a torpedo. Yeah, the U USS inflation has already been launched. It's on a war patrol right now because we're going to have inflation. That's going to be a problem. Fuel is another thing. Fuel last week reached basically the level, level it was prior to prior to COVID, about a buck ninety a gallon, and it's going up. And we have fuel shortages, at least deliveries. So that's going to go up. All that adds up to higher fares. There's going to be no doubt about it. Airlines are going to have to adjust to higher fares and very likely fewer discretionary dollars out there. But never has the industry been in as good a position management-wise to adjust to it. And that's because? That's because, number one, we don't have any squirrels in the business. Number two, we're run by business people. And number three, flexibility is everything. I mentioned Bozeman before, and there are some other secondary and tertiary city airports that I love um, that you know never really got a fair shake, at least the way I looked at it, before the pandemic. And now people are taking a second look as population starts to shift, uh, workforce starts to shift, and, and business starts to shift in many cases. I mean, when you think about 40% of the American public surveyed saying that during the pandemic, they were actively considering not only just leaving their job, but leaving their location and moving to another, another location. And where are they looking for? That might, that might actually apply to you and Bozeman. What is, where are they looking for? A place where the social distancing is baked into the deal, where they can breathe, where the cost of living is lower, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they may even do a, a job change in the process. But I'm looking at some airports like Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm looking at airports like Syracuse, New York. I'm looking at airports like Islip out in Long Island, which is one of my favorite airports that I don't think gets a fair shake at all because you have a population base in Long Island of about 3 million people who would really want to do everything in their power not to fly out of LaGuardia or Kennedy if they could. So what's happening with those airports? Well, those airports like, like Islip has always been kind of like on the edge. Right now, Islip is, you know, that's a standalone market now. It's not another access point in New York. You know, no one flies into Islip, hops on the LIE, and four hours later in traffic gets to Manhattan. That just doesn't happen. Um, I think you, you're looking at those things, but let me give you a statistic. Our five-year forecast through 2025 regionally, we show the Rocky Mountain region to grow 30% over 2019. We show the mid-Atlantic states to drop by about 2.5%. Why? People are moving to where, as you just pointed out, we have a better quality of life. And because of that, you know, I mean, listen, there's a diaspora running off to Boise, Idaho. You can't buy a house in Boise today, by the way. There's none available because people want to live in those kind of places. But it's the same thing you mentioned. A Madison, Wisconsin, well, you know, that. That's a major city, if you will, but it's a very nice place to live. But watch other places. You mentioned B Bozeman. There's other. There's Colorado Springs. There's Boise. There's uh, Spokane. Places like that. That's where people are going to move. And when they move there, they take their business with it. And any real surprise airports you want to share with me? Well, yeah, I, I think we're, we're looking at like Boise being one, no question. The quality of life there is incredible. It's geometric, ge geographic location is if you're in Boise, there's not a lot of the airports to use and they've got great air service. So they capture everything they generate. That's that. That's one. Colorado Springs is another one. Massive. That's one of the fastest growing airports. And again, like I said, two years, a year and a half ago, Southwest told us, no way we're going to come there. Well, guess what? There's 13 flights a day and they're adding. And so are other airlines. Because quality of life is incredible in the Colorado corridor. So we're going to see more and more of that. And again, like I said, the mid-Atlantic states, um, you're not going to see much growth. And the main reason is quality of life. Wow. So your crystal ball is if you're airline scheduling, you're, re you're relocating your assets. No, absolutely. The, the, the real growth is going to be in the, in the southeast, the deep, the deep south, 
and in the Rocky Mountain region and other areas are going to be there. But where you're going to see some real pullbacks, you mentioned Islip, that whole region's fine. <coughs> We're not going to see a whole lot of growth. We may see transfer of traffic where people in, you know, let's just say, you know, uh, western, if you want to call it that, western Nassau County of Garden City, that area, they might strive, start driving more to Islip. But it's not necessarily net new traffic. Although if you take a look at the route networks out of Islip, they're not doing a lot of east-west travel. They're doing north-south. They're doing, you know, Tampa, Orlando, West Palm, but not Las Vegas, not L.A., not not even Chicago. Well, that's another point. It's it's, it's not a, a major gateway to the to the to the to the nation. It's a leisure gateway. But if someone wants to get, like I said, let's just say to, to Tucson or Spokane, they're not flying out of Islip. They're they're again on there on the. LIE or the northern state getting to LaGuardia. And by the way, I understand they've done magic with my favorite airport in America, which is LaGuardia. You know, I almost grew up there. My father's office was there. My first job was there. So I do not brook anybody beating up LaGuardia Airport. And I'm biased. Well, listen, they've done a great job uh, of, of modernizing the airport. The terminals are gleaming. They're clean. They're beautiful. One small problem, the walk from the counter to the gate it's like 30 minutes. It's wild. I have not been there because, you know, they've torn down a lot of things that were very, very, very close to me, like my father's old office in American and whatnot. But uh, LaGuardia to me is, you know, people badmouth LaGuardia before or since, you know, hey, you know why LaGuardia back in 1939 was what the whole world looked at. That's true. That's true. And, and I think they're going to retain two of the three old LaGuardia hangars as, as, uh, as, historic, uh, as historic monuments. I hope they do. Uh, and of course, you have, the, you have the old Marine Air Terminal there where the old Pan Am Clippers used to fly on the water. Uh, now that's, uh, I think it's Spirit and JetBlue is over there for the moment, and they also may move. But the bottom line is when Joe Biden called LaGuardia Airport uh, a, a third world airport, he was insulting a lot of third world airports at that time because LaGuardia really was in trouble. Now, if they can just figure out how the guys who designed the, the, the airport can get people from the counter to the gate, then it's a home run. It really is. It's magic. I mean, to do what they did is magic because the place is about the size of a Midwestern shopping center. And look what they've done. It's incredible. <laughs> You're right. Uh, with about the same amount of retail there these days. My thanks to Michael. It's a magazine I've been reading almost all my life. And it's almost hard to believe but Travel and Leisure celebrates its 50th birthday this year. And what a perfect and pivotal time to talk about the magazine. The stories it's covered and the places it's taken us. With Editor-in-Chief, Jackie Gifford. Can you believe Travel and Leisure is 50? I, I just know it's such a big anniversary for us. We're just so thrilled. Well, you know, I go back to the days of Kasky Sinet and Nancy Novograd and your predecessors. And it was and still is a, a magazine that I read cover to cover, uh, not because I'm a journalist, but because I'm a traveler. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I, um, I gathered together one thing that was really amazing for this big issue is I, I gathered all the, the former editor in chief over Zoom, believe it or not, to talk about to talk about their time uh, running, you know, running this brand. We've had six editor in chiefs. You mentioned Kasky, who who passed away a little bit ago. And, and the others are 
are uh, are still live. And I was able to talk to Pamela Fiore, Isla Sanger, Nancy Novograd, and Nathan Lump. And what was really moving to me was just hearing them share their stories about the ebbs. I call it the ebbs and flows of travel and just how there are these really high highs and sometimes these really low lows, like after 9-11 when Nancy was editor-in-chief and she and her team had to scramble to come up with an issue that felt relevant and smart for the times. And I lived through that myself with COVID-19 and coming up with an issue that felt meaningful and also not tone deaf. And so we talked through these things and it was really, it was really great to just share stories. And then overall, we all just felt optimistic about travel and just so thrilled that we were able to have have these jobs. Well, talking to the former travel and leisure editors-in-chief about the turning points in travel, you know, we we already know some of them, right? 9-11, the economic debacle in 2008 and 9, even the volcano exploding in Iceland in 2010, and of course, COVID-19. But their experience, you know, predates that. Are there any similarities in how the industry responded or where it went after that? That's a great question. I would say that there's always a period of uncertainty and, and, you know, that right after the event, right? And people, you know, they don't know what to do. There's this moment of panic. And then I would say the similarities, the through line that I, that I found in talking to all the editors is that you just have to double down on what you do best and, and understand that fundamentally people want to be around other people and travel again. And so that unshakable faith, I think, gets people people through the downtimes because you just know that that you'll come out of it that that fundamentally moving around the world and seeing other cultures is just that's just the history of humanity right I mean that's just what we do and it's never going to change and so that's I think what what uh, whether it was you know you know Pamela mentioned to me several times but in the 70s you know terrorist attacks on planes hijacking things like that that was just that was part of that was out there and people were nervous and and then we had the Gulf War in the 90s and 9-11, all these big, these big events that really transformed travel and people were scared and then they started to get out there again. And I think what we're seeing this summer certainly is that people are, are traveling. And last summer, it was, you know, even last summer, people were traveling. And, and now in, in some ways, you know, the airlines are, are, are finally this quarter, some of them are profitable. And we're seeing, you know, 2019 levels in terms of demand at, 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 uh, at the airport. And, and now at some properties, they're even exceeding 2019 levels. That was an even fathomable six months ago. So I think, the, the again, the one fundamental through line is that people want to travel. They want to, to be around other people. They want to experience other cultures. And so when there are these dips, you just have to hold on to that hope and you know that better times are ahead. All right. So let's, let's keep with this theme of how we respond, how we pivot. I'm one of those people who always argues that we don't just want to travel. We need to travel. It's part of our cultural DNA. So just giving the opportunity is when we jump all over the place, which is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part of who we are as, as human beings, as people. We crave we crave learning and growth. And I think that I've I myself I actually just got back from a trip to Kenya for two weeks. I went with a company called War Africa, and we, we stayed at multiple lodges, um, Ngama Mara and the Maasai Mara National Reserve, Sinchatans in in Savo West, Sagara in Laikipia, and and Cotter's Camp. We we stayed at these four different places because they were all they all offered a different experience. And I brought my son, and was Africa was traveling to Africa a little scary 
story during this time? Sure. But the minute I set foot on the plane and, and the doors closed and I was off and ready to go, it just felt like, okay, I can do this. And <laughs> I was impressed by everything on the ground in terms of protocols, how safe we felt. And, and ultimately, I think that, that, that it, the trip reminded me of why, why I do this and why I do this for a living, why you do this for a living. And I actually felt like I came back restored because I was able to switch off for a little bit and really open my eyes in a way that I don't know if I, the, I wouldn't have traveled the same way in 2019. I probably would have felt a little bit more rushed. And I, I really just sort of savored the whole experience. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen, I go back to the days of Holiday Magazine. So it's That's a um, great magazine. Oh, Peter, that was a great magazine, wasn't it? It really was. It really was. But now, let's let's move forward here for a second because, you know, you you've got your ear to the ground. You mentioned you went to Kenya. So many people now are making their travel decisions based on a bucket list that wasn't around last year or the year before. They're basing their decisions based on how far away they can go. How free they can be when they be there. Can they breathe? Is the social distancing baked into the destination? I'm assuming you're seeing the same thing. We are. The the thing that, that nobody could have predicted, I think, this sort of the, well, first of all, I think what we're seeing in the United States, the demand for hotels is just off the charts right now. Uh, people want to go to resorts and be at the beach, be with their family. The multi-generational travel trend is is booming right now because families are separated so long, so, for so long. So whether it's, you know, a place like Newport, Rhode Island or or Palm Beach or the coast of California, there are there's this demand for for vacation rentals, villas, homes. People are booking suites and they're staying longer in in some of these hotels than in, than they ever have before. And then on the the flip side, you know, an interesting thing I I you know I live here in New York City and some of our city hotels are are doing just fine. And and you know we've got properties uh, properties are bouncing back here. Not all of them, but some of them are. And I think that's in part because people want to go out and experience fine dining and restaurants because they were deprived of that experience for so long. So I'll say this. I think that the the there's some tweaks to the behavior, right? People want to know that when they check into a property that there's 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 safety measures in place. So a lot of that back of the house stuff that hotels used to do, whether it was extra cleaning or, you know, learning about air filtration in hotels, whoever thought that that would be something that hotels would have to explain, but they're doing it. The airlines have done a, a good job of, of that as well. So some of these things, you know, were were already in place, and they're just being they're just being pushed up to the front of travelers' mind. And then, in some instances, hotels have come up with entirely new concepts. I mean, I stayed at the Chandler in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, over the, the spring, and what was fascinating, they created these whole beautiful yurts where people could dine outdoors, you know, during um, during the winter and 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 have great meals and and be outside. And this is not, and they've decorated them beautifully. I saw many restaurants do that in Manhattan and they've added 
had a bit of fun and whimsy. And of course, the safety measures are in place and people feel great about doing outdoor dining. So I think I think it's, it sparked a really tremendous moment for creativity in the hospitality industry. And there are definite challenges. I don't want to be Pollyanna about it because we're seeing labor shortages at hotels. We're seeing labor shortages, you know, at restaurants. It's hard to it's hard for people to, to hire people back right now. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons why that is. And I think that ultimately, though, and we're seeing it even, too, with the airlines, right? Customer service lines are um, to call to call. And, and you want to get a hold of somebody on the phone to help with your flight. Like, good luck right now. It's really hard. But I will. Well, I got that- I got one for you. I got one for you. Okay. Delta <laughs> Airlines. I did. I, I did. I did this as a test. And it gets me so angry because it's not just Delta, it's United, and it's American. And what it is, you call up the the reservations number, and of course, they're all busy, they can't take your call, and they go, please hold. And then they say, at the end of the call, please stay on the line for a two-minute survey on our service. Well, the end of the call doesn't happen. For in my, in my last wait for Delta Airlines, I just put them on the speakerphone just to see how long it would take. Three hours and ten minutes. Okay, and 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 so basically, here's my two minute survey for them. You can't be serious. That's it. That's it. Because you, I mean, what else do they want me to tell them? That I'm not going to spend another two minutes on the phone after three hours and ten minutes to tell them how great they're doing because they're not. Yeah, I I would say this having flown several times during this experience, and I've flown when the airports were basically empty, and I've flown when they've been packed to the gills now with people. I think that. If you're going out and certainly flying domestically right now, long gone are the days when you you would see those pictures of airports and they were completely (laughs) devoid of people, right? So your experience that you had, which is unfortunate, this is an experience that multiple people are having right now. And I think the the thing that, that, uh, that people don't expect, they just, I think people have these visuals in their mind of empty airports and that's just not the case anymore. So you've got to go and understand that, you know, the, the, the lines are going to be long. It's not like you're going to breathe through security anymore. Multiple, you know, at some airports, not everything is still open yet, whether it's restaurants or, or shops or things. Um, but, but, you know, people are going expecting them to be. And then the other part of it is, you know, when you're actually flying, I think some people, because they're losing their patience, the experience can feel a little unpleasant. That said, I think that I think that this is going to get ironed out, and I would imagine it's going to be ironed out within the next year. My thanks to Jackie. When it comes to the word safari, one name is at the front, Jeffrey Kent. He's the penultimate luxury tour operator in Africa and just about all other parts of the world as well. And now, as travel comes roaring back, Jeffrey gives us his insight on the hot spots, not to mention travel safety. Obviously, the pandemic shutting down so much of the world, and in fact, so much of what Abercrombie and Kent was doing, especially in countries like Africa, uh, where, of course, uh, your your name first surfaced in the in and of course your book by the same title Safari about exploring that continent. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, a continent even today where the vaccination rates are under seven percent. Not very helpful there, and yet you know, the impact of the pandemic during the pandemic uh, in Africa in terms of tourism, in terms of economics, in, per, in terms of people being able to put food on the table. Uh, 
you know, the, the rangers, the, 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 the tour guides, the safari operators. I mean, it's, it's been a very devastating time. I mean, I can't disagree with you. It has. And unfortunately, even right now, you've got South Africa and Botswana in the red zone, Kenya and Amber. You know, and the problem is if you, if you go there and somebody catches COVID, then you've got to go into quarantine. So I think, you know, well, everybody wants to go to Africa. Indeed, once you get there, it's the best place to be. Isolated camps, lots of adventure, outdoors. It'll take off. But in the meantime, it's difficult. Luckily, for Abercrombie and Kent, you know, we're very big in Europe and it's our largest destination, believe it or not. And so, uh, you know, beginning to boom, boom there. But the fact is, everybody wants to travel. Everybody calls me, can we go? Where can we go? What can we do? Where's next? And so, this huge plethora of, of desire and we just got to fulfill it as we move along but you know I was once a polo player and one thing I learned playing polo you have to be nimble and very very fast so we, that's how we are now <laughs> well let's let's start with with Africa then move over to over to Europe obviously things are getting better slowly in Africa uh, you've resumed your operations there of course uh, I would think at this point, since social distancing is almost baked into the African experience, it's a great time to be on a safari now. Well, I mean, I leave myself in three weeks' time. I'm off taking the whole family, uh, basically, to Malindi, the beach. And then we're going to Maasai Mara, to our lovely camp, Olanana. I'm trying to get space in the Jeffrey Kent suite, but luckily, <laughs> it's so popular. Unless I throw somebody out, it's a difficult one. So I think I'll just be a normal guy in Olanana and not have a suite. But yeah. We'll be back there, going up north, <clears throat> going helicopters up in Laikipia area. And I cannot wait to get back. And, you know, when you get there, it's all very calm. So a lot of this is made up. A lot of it is media related. And one has to keep calm. That's why I said, you know, I'll go myself and really try and get to grips with everything. When you say it's it's sort of made up and media related, of course, that you're, you're talking about guys like me. So we have to be careful here. In what way do you say it's 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 uh, it's made up and media related? I have to I have to ask. Well, I think it's all being... <laughs> Peter, you're the great exception. You're the great traveler. But a lot of people haven't traveled. And especially the UK news is always on about how many extra COVID cases. Is it 50,000, 100,000? Is it going to triple, quadruple in the next month? Uh, we have another, another, you know, big, big case. Um, is it safe? You know, the hospitals. And it goes on and on and on. You know, and I'm, I'm, as long as this takes sense of news. People do get very concerned. I know there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between policy and actual, you know, actual manifestation. But I'm assuming that now that it's coming back, the real question is, how is it coming back and how is it expressing itself? So, for example, in the U.S., every plane is full. Airfares are going up at about 10 percent a week and that's compounded. Hotel rates are up 36 percent. Rental car rates are up 86 percent. Are you seeing that in your business as well? Oh, absolutely. I think what's going to happen, Peter, is using the whole pod technique, you know, so that Americans are allowed to come to Europe. They can go to ice. They can. So they're almost coming like a one stop stay. So they can take a beautiful villa in Italy, <clears throat> indeed, in south of France. They can go to ice. They can go take a yacht in, in, in Greece, cruise the Greek islands. <clears throat> so you can do that. Equally so, you know, I'm launching an expedition to the Cocos Islands of Costa Rica in January. You know, it's a submarine on board a ship with a, with a super yacht alongside. But that's one destination. They, that you know you can do. It's, it's when you have cross borders, you know, one, two, three, that becomes a problem. Because then you've got to take a COVID test before you leave. COVID test when you arrive. It becomes more complicated. So in the luxury travel market, my guess is that 
all this money's been sitting on the sidelines for 15 months, burning a hole in everybody's pocket, and people just can't wait to go. And they're not as price-sensitive as they used to be. I mean, if you, for example, if you wanted to fly a personal jet uh, or, or fly privately to Maui, uh, you could, but the problem is there's no place to park the jet. The, the, the airport doesn't have any space anymore for the private jets. I'm assuming that in, in some of the uh, the usual suspect destinations, whether it's St. Bart's or, or not far from where you are, of course, in Monaco, you have a similar situation. Well, you do, but you know, luckily Abercrombie can we're mainly adventure, adventure based. So we luckily we don't have that situation. So anybody who doesn't want to get bored in St. Bart's would like a like a big adventure, we can do that. You know, you know, we still got a lot of people coming to Egypt. Egypt's very busy, ships are full. Um, Kenya's still very busy, very busy. Um, right, let's let's talk let's let's talk about Egypt for a second. I remember being in Egypt before the pandemic, where you had not you, but the Egyptians had about forty four boats that normally would be on the Nile down in Luxor, and they were operating maybe four of them. Then, of course, you had the pandemic. Now we're coming out of the pandemic. Are you saying that the, the boats are back all operating? Yeah, I mean our boats are back fairly busy, not the full fleet, but I mean certainly we've got two boats operating full. Armor. Armour was over with us last weekend. You remember Armour? He took you on a big trip in Egypt once. He did. Um, yeah, business coming back, especially from the Gulf states. Remember, you know, Americans are not the only travelers. We have very rich uh, Middle Eastern families who travel, can't wait to get out. They've been in lockdown too. And so it's an international market. What about the rich Swiss? They want to get out. And so there's a big international market here. But as you say, <coughs> quite a lot is shut down. You know, India, um, you know, I wouldn't go to India right now. Um, Australia is locked down, so that's a problem. So we're operating where we can, and where we can, it, it, there is a huge demand. Yeah. So where is it that uh, I mean, are you actually in a situation where you're oversold at this point? No, no. You'll never see me oversell. You know that. Uh, <laughs> I'll build a boat rather than turn a booking down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold you to that. One next time I need a boat. Uh, but the thing is. If you take a look at where everybody is going, are they going based on a bucket list of where they've always wanted to go, or now they just say, "Get me anywhere, I'll go anywhere." No, they want to go. They want get me anywhere, as long as it's safe. This is a big thing. Is it safe, and do we get home? You know, and will you? Are you always on the end of a phone to call if there's a problem? And I said yes, or or our staff are anyhow. I I always am, but at least that's the one thing that concerns them. They don't want to travel. And arrive in the place with their families, and for whatever reason, can't return home. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's really, I've, I've said this all along. It's not what people are talking about, it's what they're thinking about. And it's exactly that, Jeffrey, that they want to go, but they don't want to get stuck. Um, and, and and so, what do you tell them? I mean, is it about insurance? Is, is it about, uh, you know, getting the proper kind of insurance? Because as you may know, during the, the pandemic, so many travelers dis- discovered that the insurance that they purchased was essentially worthless because there was a clause in the policy that said we don't cover for pandemic. So as a, as a travel provider, what what kind of assurances are you giving your clients that they are going to be protected? Well, the first assurance is, Peter, that I've been doing this since April 1962, all right, uh, which is quite a long time ago. Yes. And, and our brand has had many experiences, as you well know, around the world with, with incidences, all right? And we've always delivered. We personally deliver. We will get them out. You don't need insurance. If there's a problem, we will fly them out, get them out. And we're always on the phone. And as you know, we own our ground operating company. All other travel companies have to send 
their clients to agents, to ground operators, which they don't own. We own all of our. So it's within the family. You know, we literally cover what I call the last mile of every trip. So it's really our personal guarantee. We said, no, as things are today, and for when you'll travel, we will get you out. And, and we can. So it's basically, this is where the brand comes in. I think, you know, everyone said, oh, you have a great brand. So what good's a brand if it doesn't behove you in some way? Where is right now the hottest spot that you're going? The one that's the most popular? I think the hottest spot is individual tailor-made travel. Like yesterday, I booked a, a group of New Yorkers taking their, their G5 and they're going to do, in, in December, everyone's booking line about October, November, December. They're going to do Patagonia. They're going to go to South America. They're going to do Atacama, all those wondrous places. So South America is, is becoming very, very popular. Why? It's near. There's no jet lag, no big time difference. And they feel that it's close. So I think South America will really take off with the adventure side. Europe has gone for very few villas are left. You know, people like villas for the summer. Hardly any of those left. They're pretty well sold out. Um, Europe will continue. And hopefully by December, Botswana's back. Africa's back. Antarctic, I think, is going to be fine. We hope. We're still praying for that. It's looking good so far. So, you know, expedition cruising starts taking place again. The problem is, Peter, everything changes. You and I having this talk today, everything we're saying now could be changed. We don't know. Well, the metrics, I think, have changed from the focus on the vaccination level at the destination to the vaccination level of the people who want to go to that destination, which is why the European Union opened up to vaccinated Americans. And uh, But at the same time, we still have other countries that are closed, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand. Should we write them off for the rest of this year? I think you have to write everything off for about, you know, the bad one, like for three months, two to three months until you can see, right? But it could all clear. You never know. I mean, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, 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 it's really hard to forecast. And you, you know, the key thing is give people what they want. What do they want? They want a dedicated tour counselor with a huge amount of knowledge to guide them, to tell them where they're going, and above all, to advise them when they have to have COVID shots, fill out their locator form so that that's all done for them, right? It's very complicated. I don't know if you've been traveling to Europe. I mean, you've got to have the vaccination form, you've got to have the COVID test, and then you've got to have a locator form. And then they call you all day long, you know? And so all that has to be answered by somebody. And so people want, where's a hand to hold? And, you know, at Abercrombie Camp, we've been doing that for 100 years, almost. <laughs> um, but so uh, uh, that's that's where it is. But it's, it's going to be people will want private travel. They must talk to somebody. They're not just, I don't see huge people rushing, you know, like you may buy your groceries online. I don't know. I don't see many people um, with high-end travel booking it online. I think they want to know somebody and get their money back. Who, who's going to be doing it? No, they, they, want, they want to have a conversation. They want to have a conversation. And that's really what we learned in the pandemic, that people who booked online couldn't have a conversation. They're still waiting for their money back. Uh, the travel advisors and the travel agents really did a stellar job of advocating for passengers and for travelers. And uh, they're the ones who stayed in the conversation. Otherwise, people just got literally lost in the shuffle. Now, you talk, Jeffrey, about you know doing very specific destinations where you're not crossing a lot of borders, and yet... One of the things that you're known for is your private jet tour that goes to many different destinations. Are you still going to operate that? Well, that's a very, um, <laughs> I'm leaning back in my seat. That's a sort of well-aimed arrow. Actually, I'm having a big conference call on that immediately after we finish tonight. So I can't give you a direct answer, um, but it's complicated. And, you know, if we can't guarantee it, I doubt we'll 
I doubt we're running, but we don't know yet. I'll, I'll have this, having a conference call in an hour's time and then we'll know a lot more. But, you know, maybe we should be doing more sort of eight-day trips. You know, go to one, as I said before, an eight-day trip to uh, Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda. So it's all in one place, which you yep. could limit. Um, but I think going around the world, the problem is going to be landing of the planes. And say, that, say that one person gets COVID. I've just been reading about the cruise ship industry, right? Say that one person gets co- get COVID on a plane. What happens? You have to stop, right? It's and you've got to go and put them one. So it's, it's, you know, I mean, I think that this year, we'll see. We'll see. As you sit back in your seat, what's the one overriding lesson, Jeffrey, that you've learned during the pandemic about how to move forward now? Cash, 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 cash. That's a, that's the one, one abiding thing. You've got to have a lot of cash is king, right? No debt, lots of cash. And so luckily we have that. And that's been very, very helpful. I mean, in your case, you, you had the reserves to, to withstand the storm, if you will. But for so many other companies, they didn't. And uh, not only did they go out of business, but they, uh, in many cases, didn't refund the money to their to their customers. And that's terrible. I mean, that's the worst thing you could have because basically customers out all the money. And yeah, and the companies go bankrupt. It's really, really bad. Moving forward, let's let's look ahead. Let's, let's crystal ball this three or four months ahead. So we're now at the beginning of the next year. Let's crystal ball this, Jeffrey. By 2022, is travel really going to be back? I believe by the second quarter, it'll it'll be back very firm and strong. By that time, we should be over all the incidences you and I have just been discussing. And I, you know, I'm very, very hopeful. Maybe first quarter 22, but certainly second quarter. Uh, 2Q 22 should be back. And is there a destination now that you're not going to that is going to be the new hot destination predicted by you for 2022? Well, that's a good one. You know, I think I think they sort of go down to our inspiring expeditions. So there's something I can control. It's just a short movement of people. And we're going to do an amazing one to the UK. We're going to go to all the castles. We have great friends of mine around UK and Scotland, you know, by helicopters, meeting all the hosts who are all friends of mine. And so I think that's going to be an amazing trip. Fine wine, dining. And I think, you know, I think that'll be very exciting. For instance, it's one, one, just one thing. So we may take known destinations to which we can go and then have some unusual, uh, unusual itinerary within. My thanks to Jeffrey, to Michael Boyd, and to Jackie Gifford. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel and answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just log on to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.